And good morning. Welcome to Circus Week Live, live from Circus World in Baraboo each day at 9 a.m. or, you know, a few minutes after, depending on technical issues. And this is Corey Hartman broadcasting here from the beautiful Feld Theater. We are so happy to have our live in-studio audience today. And uh, we're excited to have uh, you stop by as Circus World did open early this morning at 9 o'clock. And so we will uh, have all sorts of great things going on here today. My hosts for today's show are Scott O'Donnell and Dave. Dave Salutis. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. How do you do? How's it going? Oh, we were rocking out to Billy Joel. Are you kidding? This morning's <laughs> off to a great start. Yeah, Billy is a good uh, fill-in. Oh, he's fantastic. What an opening act. There you go. We are, of course, uh, getting ready for the big big top parade in downtown Baraboo coming up 11 a.m. Saturday morning. Of course, here on 99.7 Max FM and TV 43, we will have our uh, big pre-show uh, starting a little after 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. But it's going to be uh, a fantastic day with a lot of uh, a lot of circus history, a lot of great floats, a lot of great uh, acts, and uh, a lot of bands this year too. A lot of bands, yeah. It's actually going to be a fantastic week. My golly, is there a lot on top here for the Baraboo community as we celebrate our amazing circus heritage. Starting Thursday night, Professor Jerry and concerts on the square. Mm-hmm. Mr. Salutis, are you joining Mr. Jerry this year? I will be. Nice. So it's a fantastic concert of, <laughs> of historic circus music and nothing quite like the thunderous blazes of a circus band. And that paired with some homemade ice cream with Mary's uh, fantastic ice cream down on that square. It's Norman Rockwell Americana at its best. Friday, Wild Rumpus Youth Circus will be here at Circus World. Uh, the next generation of circus performers that so come down and see them. 7 p.m. at the Owl Ringling Theater, that amazing Hollywood spectacular. The Greatest Showman will be shown on the big screen uh, from one showman, Mr. Al Ringling's beautiful contribution to this community, celebrating the Greatest Showman, P.T. Barnum. What a wonderful evening there. Saturday, Corey, as you mentioned, 11 a.m. Circus Parade, but before that, Circus Palooza downtown, uh, as well as uh, Eat Street, lots of local uh, service groups and organizations with some fantastic bites to eat, uh, grilled cheese sandwich and beer. I mean, what gets more Wisconsin Yeah, get your that? pancakes uh, in the morning, pan- too. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. I think it's fabulous. Um, that'll be going on, and the Wild Rumpus folks will be down there uh, teaching circus skills. 11 a.m., the parade. Post-parade, you can come on down and join us here at Circus World at 5 dollar entry fee uh, that's a pretty special pricing to celebrate circus history or you can stay up on the square where booze stock will be taking place that's Baraboo's version of woodstock do you remember woodstock dave oh yeah finally i can <laughs> tell very enthusiastic cool. this morning mr Sl- <laughs> Boostock, uh, that'll be hosted by our own special grand marshal gene allen scott a gentleman who's been part of uh, music and broadcasting for over 50-plus years and so honored to have Gina as our Grand Marshal and our host for Boostock, and he'll be doing some amazing contests in between the amazing bands such as Gary and the Gators and other local musicians that'll be rocking it out down on the Courthouse Square. 215 here at Circus World, we'll be doing a book signing, a very special book signing for a new book called Circus Legends. And it focuses on circus performers that have had a legendary career, many of them fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth generation circus performers. 
We'll be blessed to have three of them that uh, here in our presence that are featured in the book. Uh, Trudy Strong, who is a wild animal trainer for many years, including here at Circus World. Lisa Hernandez-Ross, who is a legendary circus performer and has done aerial and acrobatics and teeterboard, uh, as well as uh, the matriarch of the Nock family, Aurelia Canastrelli Nock. Uh, so they'll be here along with the authors, Stephen Strong and Tony Hernandez. They'll be doing a talk back about the book and then a book signing after that. And then 7 p.m., everybody's invited back to the Al Ringling Theater for another showing of The Greatest Showman, but this time you get to exercise your vocal skills yes a sing-along version of the greatest showman so that'll be a lot of fun everybody's singing along to all of the hits from the greatest showman oh my gosh this is me if you know how to do that and your bearded lady is on point well this is the place to be uh at the al wrangling theater 7 p.m on that the big parade is shaping up over 90 units in the parade this year and that's a spectacular thing Yes, it's going to be a little uh, little hot uh, uh, this whole week coming up, but 9, 11 a.m. parade will help uh, for the visitor comfort for that, and we're looking forward to it. And as we always say, where else but in Baraboo can you have this one-of-a-kind experience? It's a, it's a classic circus parade rolling down the streets with majestic wagons pulled by those majestic horse teams and filled with some amazing creatures, including a probably a very unique creature for a circus wagon that yeah. we'll be featuring this year. Uh, on a circus that might be billed as a what is it uh, for those of you listening and we'll be along the parade ro- route uh, look for Artie the Aardvark yeah we're going to have an Aardvark at the parade what circus parade has an Aardvark ours ours, ours that's does. right <laughs> that's right ours does take that every other town in America uh, so Artie will be here and of course Ernie our celebrated giraffe and the circus world elephants and so many bands and floats and community entries I mean the Baraboo High School marching band and, and their full clown regalia there's nothing more magical than seeing them coming down the street uh, to that so lots going on to celebrate our circus history and heritage both within this community and the state and to talk more about that circus history and heritage because what are we celebrating i think it's important to uh, dive into those topics and that's the focus of our program here today all right go ahead and introduce our guests i'd be happy to do that so joining dave and i here this morning is circus world's archivist Peter Schrake. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Seated next to Peter is the Sauk County Historical Society Executive Director, Paul Walter. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. And also joining us is our Circus World Curator of Circus History. I wanted to get there. A Curator of Circus History, Jennifer Cronk. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. Thank you all three for joining us uh, here today, and we're going to look to you as our experts on circus history uh, to help us understand the legacy not only within this community and within the state, but also within American history of this art form called the circus. So Pete, obviously here at Circus World, we're located at the original winter quarters of the Ringling Brothers Circus. But there's been more than just the Ringling Brothers Circus in this great state. I think so many people that come to Circus World are amazed to learn that over 100 circuses have come from this great state. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. 
Well, the history goes back even before Wisconsin was a state. Uh, The first circus that uh, came to Wisconsin and was based here was the Maybe Brothers Circus, who made their home base out of Delavan in Wisconsin over by Milwaukee. Uh, And that was in 1847. So longer than there's been a state of Wisconsin, there have been circuses in this region. Uh, The Maybe Brothers uh, formed the kind of the beginnings of what became a circus colony out of Delavan. And over time, over 26 different circuses were based out of that community more than any other uh, community in in the state. I mean, Baraboo, I think, is is a, is a, the second largest. There were six circuses at one time or another that uh, were based out of out of our fair city. Uh, but ultimately, over time, indeed, there were over 100 circuses uh, that came uh, or could call Wisconsin home. And towns as far north as Antigo uh, had the uh, brief uh, BB&H circus. Uh, These were uh, guys who ran a local music hall who thought they would try their luck at running a circus and found that uh, even though maybe they were successful in uh, running a a music hall, were not very successful at running a circus. It lasted a mere six weeks. Uh, You have smaller shows, too, out of, of the Sparta area, uh, the W was it uh, H.R.J. Miller show, tiny little show of the 1920s. Uh, you have shows from Janesville. You have shows from the Racine area. Uh, you have the Engford shows from Portage. Uh, and so really throughout the entire state, uh, you have uh, circuses. Uh, I think the only area that isn't represented is the far northwestern corner of Wisconsin. But almost every other part of the state uh, could have a show. Sheboygan uh, had the Sells Sterling show one of the earliest truck shows and a very successful show. In the height of the Great Depression, they were still making money. Uh, And it was only really because of bad weather in 1938 that they were compelled to close. And so uh, many of our shows that came from our state were very successful. Uh, Some, like I said, were very small, but some, like the Ringling Brothers here from Baraboo, were the standard bearers of the industry. And Pete, so over 100 circuses in Wisconsin, I think we always get that question. Why Wisconsin? What brought those early circus, uh, circuses here to the state, do you think? It, it's a question we do get often, and it's in part geography. Uh, when you look at Wisconsin on the map, we are midway through the country. And so a state or a show could come out here and one year range east, next year go south, another year go west, and hit a new territory each time. Uh, also, at the time that the shows were starting to come here, maybe brothers accepted, but really by the 1850s, you have railroads coming into Wisconsin. And so, and certainly by the 1860s and 70s, they're becoming well established. And so from here, uh, they could access any part of the country. But land was also uh, cheaper in the 1840s and 1850s. Wisconsin was still a developing state. And so you could acquire land for your winter base, uh, probably cheaper here than in other parts of the country. But also, there was a, a pragmatic side to this as well and and shows are a good successful circus show is nothing but a a practical I think business operation and here uh, they could get ready supply to the hay to the the forage for their animals the hays the the oats Uh, if you go down south in the mid-19th century and late 19th century was still largely cotton or rice or other types of crops that dominated the area and so here uh, you could get the feed for the animals relatively cheaply. And so all those things combined uh, really made Wisconsin and the upper Midwest really an ideal place to, to base a circus in, in the 19th and early 20th century. It's very true. If you have some uh, large animals as part of your circus family or your general circus family, like an elephant that eats 300 pounds of food each day, I suppose Wisconsin and its fertile grand, uh, ground and crops uh, would be a good place to be. It's very true. 
Uh, so we're here at Circus World live broadcasting today. Uh, circus history is the topic, and we'll be coming back to you here uh, in just a little bit uh, to talk more about uh, the legacy of circus within the state, the legacy of the Ringling Brothers here in the city of Baraboo that we celebrate. And we'll talk a little bit about collections as well and what goes into their conservation and preservation uh, here at Circus World and at other institutions uh, around the community. We're live each day at 9 a.m. from Circus World. Hope you'll come on out and be in the uh, audience here. Circus World did open early today, and we'd like to see you right here in the Feld Theater. It's Circus Week Live, and we'll be back in just a little bit right here on 99.7 Max FM. Welcome back to Circus Week Live from Circus World in Baraboo, and we'll send it back over for more chatting here today about circus history with our hosts, Scott O'Donnell and Dave Salutis. Go ahead, guys. Thank you, Corey. Again, it's great to be here at Circus Road where we celebrate our 60th anniversary this year. I think we look pretty good for 60. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's a brand new day here for Dave. <laughs> Who's also celebrating his 60th year here at Circus World. <laughs> I think he looks fabulous, too. He's one of our living artifacts here at Circus World, and we're th thrilled to have him here. Awesome. Uh, for those of you that are inter interested in uh, Circus World's history, that'll be the topic tomorrow where we talk about 60 years of Circus World with lots of guests, uh, former employees, current employees, volunteers, and uh, oh, so much more. Getting back to our topic at hand today, which is circus history, to understand the legacy in, of the circus, uh, both within Baraboo and uh, the great state of Wisconsin, and, and how those hundred-plus circuses emanated from the state and took their brand and their art form really across this nation and became the preeminent form uh, of entertainment uh, for a large, pa uh, large part of American history. We're going to go next to Executive Director of the Sauk County Historical Society, Paul Walter. Paul, so of course the Ringling Brothers are, are our founding fathers here in this great, uh, great city. Can you tell us a little bit about the Ringling Brothers and their time here in Baraboo? Right. Uh, the family actually lived in Baraboo three different times, and it's kind of serendipitous that uh, the Ringling Brothers Circus started here because... Uh, the uh, parents and the remaining children had actually left by the time uh, the first performance was held here. So they first came in 1855. Um, of course, the father was a harness maker. They had a couple kids at that time. Lived here for about five years, then moved away. Um, a couple different places, uh, finally landing in McGregor, Iowa, where several more children were born. Moved a few more places, came back to, to Baraboo, fortunately, in 1875. Uh, set up a harness shop again. And uh, then by about 1883, the parents had left with the remaining kids, but Al, the oldest, who was out on his own by that time, of course, you know, really kind of felt Baraboo was home. He was the oldest. He'd been here those three different times. And uh, fortunately for us, uh, decided Baraboo was home, and, and that's, this is where they would start the circus and come back to. Uh, fortunately, the, the parents did come back and uh, lived the rest of their lives here in Baraboo and uh, died here. We have more Ringling Brothers buried here in Baraboo than any other place on earth. So, yeah, And if you're visiting this community, where and if uh, you're interested in that part of their legacy, what's uh, the location? To yeah, they just need to head north of uh, north side of Baraboo on East Street or Highway A, go up to Walnut Hill Cemetery, beautiful cemetery. 
uh, they'll find two mausoleums in the cemetery. Uh, one is Al Ringling, Alan Lewis, and the other one is the Henry Ringling Mausoleum. And kind of between the two, they'll find the rest of the, the family. We even have the Juilliards here, the, uh, the grandparents of the Ringling brothers. Um, so, yeah. So we spoke uh, a little bit earlier about all the exciting events that are coming up here, Parade Week in Baraboo, and two of those evenings happened at the Al Ringling Theater, which was an amazing gift by Al uh, to this community. But there's a lot of other Ringling legacy buildings and homes in this community. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, all of those items, uh, Ringling-based items here in town? Sure. Yeah, everybody knows about the theater, uh, Al's house, his mansion just around the corner, largest uh, home ever built in the county. And, of course, the yellow Ringling House that we all know, originally built by Charles and then purchased by his younger brother, Henry. But there's a few other uh, houses still around in town. Um, uh, in 1899, four of the brothers bought properties here in Baraboo to build houses. Before that, they just rented quarters, which made sense because they were only here for a short time uh, each year. But by 1899, four of them were married and their kids were coming along. So I'm sure some of the wives were uh, pushing for permanent houses. So four of them bought lots in, in the spring of 1899. And then Al and August, or Al and uh, Alf T rather, built first uh, in 1899 and then following year 1900, Charles and Gus Ringling built homes. So uh, Gus was not an, not an owner, just an employee, so he built the smallest uh, house out of the four, which is at the northeast corner of Birch and 8th today, a nice little uh, American four-square house. And uh, Al built uh, Queen Anne House in 1899. It was one of the larger homes in town, but it was something that he would regret just a few years later because Alf T had built a quite a bit larger house as did Charles. So uh, five years after Al built his first uh, Queen Anne house, which by the way was a knockoff of a house on Ash Street that still exists, um, he had it moved and then uh, chose Alf T's architect to one-up him and built uh, the county's largest house. Um, and then to top it off, uh, their mother, who had never lived in a new house in her life, uh, they built a house for her in 1900 at the southwest corner of Oak and 7th. Um, she wanted it large enough for uh, all the family to be home for Christmas, and it was just that with a large dining room and parlors that connected to it. So she finally got to live in a, in a new house for the last uh, few years of her life. And one of their houses went on to become Baraboo's Hospital, is that correct? Yeah, that's no longer with us, but uh, Alf T. and Della's house, uh, built in 1899, uh, eventually was donated by Della uh, for use as uh, Baraboo's first really legitimate hospital in 1922, St. Mary's uh, Ringling. It was added on to several times, and eventually the uh, house portion of it was uh, demolished in the 70s, but served a good purpose. Yeah, very, very much so. It's uh, amazing how their legacy intertwines with this community uh, to this very day, for sure. Uh, Pete Drake, uh, the Ringling Brothers are here uh, starting their circus in 1884. What's their, their time journey here in Baraboo? And then when do they leave? Why do they leave? And where do they go? Well, the Ringlings maintain their operations here from 1884 until 1918. Uh, and through that time, it's a, it's a fairly steady period of growth. Uh, early on, uh, the brothers rented property uh, around town to, to base their, their, uh, their operations. Their first uh, real place was a store uh, behind what is the old Vodax in downtown Baraboo on Oak Street uh, to build their show. 
Uh, but then they're renting properties along Water Street. Uh, was it the old butter tub factory along the uh, along the river? Uh, the intersection. Butter tub factory. Butter tub factory. What's a butter tub factory? Uh, that's literally where they were making wooden like barrels to. Uh, that's at least, I'm not quite sure. It's just that that's what's listed on the record. I love butter tub factory. Perhaps Paul can illuminate illuminate us as well, to. Yeah, you do it butter in something, and it was going to be a wood, a like small a, wood tub. Yeah. Yeah, like a churning and large. I'm imagining large vats to, to turn make butter. the butter. I get it. Yeah, indeed. See, my mind goes to like but it was bathing a, in butter. That yes, might. indeed. Well, well, you know, it's you know, a, why not? Right? Why not? Yeah. But they rented that facility and a few others near the intersection of Ash and Water Street. Uh, and from there, uh, as they continue to build their shows, uh, they eventually purchased property. Uh, and that site of the Butter Tub Factory, which actually is on the museum grounds now or very near to it, is where they started building actual purposely built designed uh, structures, largely, I believe, under the guidance of Charles Ringling. The newspapers are always talking about him coming back to town uh, and supervising construction. But if you visit the museum today, the site of our baggage horse barn, uh, the white office building, and the green Quonset hut, which houses our wardrobe uh, department, was the site of the, the original nucleus, kind of of the, of the winter quarters. Uh, there was a ring barn there, a uh, practice barn. Uh, there was a barn to house animals, including the earliest building to house the elephants. Once they acquired the elephants, uh, there was also always a large barn of some form where the ring barn was. Uh, they used to take those elephants for daily walks here in town, did they? They did. There is a number of photographs of, of the ringlings taking their, their elephants out for exercise, especially along 2nd Street. Uh, and you can still see those private residences in the background. So you can literally stand on the spot where the photograph is taken. Uh, the other circus in town, the big circus, the Golmar Brothers, also took their elephants out on walks around town, and quite often they would run into each other and the uh, says that the, the caretakers would kind of just nod at each other, but the, the elephants maybe would barely acknowledge each other, too, as they would walk around. But it was quite a sight to have two herds of elephants walking around this community. So that's an important name to this community as well, the Golmer Brothers. Who were they, Pete, in relation to the Ringlings? Golmer Brothers were cousins to the Ringlings. Uh, and there were uh, several brothers there, I believe, five? Uh, at least, I think seven. Yeah. yeah, they they outdid the Ringlings, yeah. They did. Uh, but at least, I think, five that went into the business, right, right. Uh, I believe. Uh, and they had a, a very successful show. They started their show in 1891 after uh, their cousins uh, got their start. Uh, but uh, and were were smaller, but were just as successful. Uh, they ranged uh, throughout the country, largely Midwest-based, uh, but grew to what was known as a 15-car railroad show, which uh, in this time period, circuses could measure uh, their size and success by the number of railroad cars that they would employ to transport their, their shows across the country. And a 15-car railroad show was a respectable show uh, and ran their circus out of Baraboo uh, up until 1916. Uh, when the brothers decided to retire, and they leased out the name for a number of years uh, to an Indiana-based show, uh, or an Indiana-based circus operation, the American Circus Corporation, and, and an owner by the name of Jerry Mugovan. Uh, but for those years, the Goldmore brothers were, ba all those years, from 1891 to 1916, they were here, so there was a second set of winter quarters, uh, for the most part from the end of Mary Roundtree Park, that second, or that, uh, that exit, 
uh, of Mary Roundtree Park all the way down to the end of Second uh, Avenue and actually pretty much where the Sauk County Historical Society has their uh, main headquarters today. And so uh, a nice set of buildings, not as fancy as the ones that the Ringlings had. They never had brick buildings. Uh, these were more like tar paper uh, or kind of basically clabbered sided buildings. Uh, the Ringlings had more money, uh, but it, it were more elaborate structures. And we're honored at the parade that's coming up to have some of the wagons from the Golmer Brothers Circus, plus some of the descendants of the Golmer family uh, in the parade uh, this upcoming Saturday. So we're looking forward to that. Speaking of wagons, there was other first cousins of the Ringlings as well here in town. And who were they and what did they do? Uh, that would be, uh, and I always get this wrong, it's either, I pronounce it Moeller, uh, but some say it's Miller uh, Brothers. or And actually it was Henry Miller and his son that had a wagon and carriage shop on 3rd Street. Uh, so where the law offices of Cross, Jenks, Mercer, and Maffei uh, are located at, and part of McGann's uh, furniture store, uh, so the buildings actually still stand, uh, is where their carriage works were. Uh, and that was their main line of business, uh, was that's where they started with. And they were indeed cousins, their mother, and uh, there were three sisters that were the Juilliard sisters uh, that ultimately married into one married to Goldmar, one married to Ringling, one married to uh, Miller. Uh, and so that's how they were all connected. But uh, early on, the Ringlings first went to uh, the, the uh, Millers to uh, contract out uh, building wagons for them. Uh, and the Golmars did as well. Uh, and eventually, they came to be a, a well-regarded wagon manufacturer. Uh, there are photos. There's a lovely photo uh, of a set of wagons that were built uh, for, um, oh, I believe it's the the uh, Wanawak based Dode Fisk yeah. show, uh, indeed, and and so they were they had a high regard, uh, or they had a high a high reputation in the circus community for the quality of wagons that they built. So another unique aspect of circus heritage from our town. And there was a wasn't there a former movie theater in this town that was. There was, and if you uh, ever go into the West Square building of the county offices, uh, right next to Cruz Automotive, there would have been the Juilliard Theater, uh, which was built, and Paul can correct me on this, but I believe was built uh, in, the, in the 37. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was, it was a simpler theater compared to the oh, Al yeah. Ringling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but indeed, with that namesake. Right. Well, so the Ringling Circus heritage uh, definitely reflected in this community throughout the years, and including coming up on Saturday for the big circus parade at 11 a.m. downtown Baraboo around our beautiful square and past all of our wonderful downtown businesses. Get ready, folks. It's an only in Baraboo kind of a moment. Uh, stay tuned, folks. More to come here on the morning show. Circus history and a little, a little more information on the circus parade coming up. we got one of the parade co-chairs uh, joining us coming up. Doug Hill will be on the air telling us all about the parade and all the all the planning, year-long planning that goes into this special event uh, that we're going to celebrate this upcoming Saturday. All right, thanks, Scott. We'll be back in just a bit on Max FM. Welcome back to Circus Week Live every day at 9 a.m. here on 99.7 Max FM. And we are happy to have a full week of shows all planned to go each morning at 9 o'clock. Today, of course, is Circus History. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be talking about uh, the history of Circus World and the Great Circus Parade. 
all about youth on Wednesday, animals on Thursday, and we'll be clowning around on Friday, which is uh, always boy, our boy, favorite boy. show, right, oh, Scott? Oh, boy. <laughs> Fashion your seatbelt. Yeah, you better, be, you better get some seatbelts. It's going to be an interesting belts. Friday, for sure. <laughs> all right, let's continue on. Uh, so continuing on, so we're talking all things circus history today, and... Uh, I thought maybe we'd deep dive a little bit into the conservation and the preservation of circus history. When you come to institutions such as Circus World or the Sauk County Historical Society uh, or any of the circus institutions across this great nation, uh, there's a lot of care and, and detail that goes into not only cataloging but uh, all, the, all the elements that go into the care of artifacts and paper and ephemera. So we have titles like archivists and curators and going to ask uh, our two, uh, our archivist and our curator that are with us this morning, what do those titles mean and what do you do as a archivist or a curator? Let's start with Jen. So I'm the curator of Circus History, which is a fancy title that I love, but um, as a curator, I primarily am tasked with uh, caring for and interpreting the three-dimensional collection. And so while Pete, our archivist, and he can talk more about what he does, handles the, the paper materials, I deal more with the, the costumes and the props and all of the different things that were used in the circus. And so um, I have to catalog the objects, which is pretty detailed, and most people don't understand why we go into as much detail as we do. Um, but with all of the different objects, we examine them, we describe them. So using um, colors and shapes and terms and all of those things, so we would be able to picture it in our minds without seeing it. We measure it. We also photograph it to add it to our database. And then we make sure it's stored properly because if things aren't put in a proper storage, they can degrade over time. And that's one thing that's really important to us is to make sure that these objects will be available for us for 100 years to come. We have objects that date back, you know, 150 years now, and we want to make sure that they're here in another 150 years as well. So we use acid-free materials and boxes and tissue paper and make sure that everything is um, stored as properly as it can so we can always pull it out to show it and display it to visitors who come to the museum. And Jen, tell us some of the gems that are in the collection up there. Some of the gems. Well, I am new to the museum. I've only been here for about eight or nine months now, and so I'm still learning. I'm opening boxes and finding new things. Um, our textile collection is amazing. That's the one thing that jumps out. We have wardrobe. Um, from a lot of different circuses. Most recently, I've been working on some more modern costumes from Big Apple Circus from the last 35 years or so, and that's been a lot of fun to look at that because there's videos available so I can see them in use and know who exactly was wearing them and for what performances, and so I can put all that information with it. But we also have spec wardrobe that goes back to, you know, the turn of the century, and that the amount of detail that went into these wardrobes that were just to look at for the most part, you know, for the, the visitors to the circus to see in the parades or see in the performances. And thinking, too, that they were wearing these velvet-heavy costumes all summer long, day in, day out. They must have smelled terrible, which is the one thing, but they're beautiful. You know, all of the, the beadwork and decorations on those. 
but we also have a tremendous collection of musical instruments that's you know really interesting to me as well drum heads that have the show on it I was just looking at an accordion the other day Pete mentioned um, the Angford show that was out of Portage and we have a beautiful accordion that they use and we have photographs of them using that and that's another thing that is really great as well when you can tie it into a specific performer or year or something like that and so to be able to show a performer using something and then having the object next to it I think is really amazing um, another thing we recently got in um, tools um, of the vegetable king and I bet yeah. nobody has ever heard of the vegetable <laughs> that king that was an illumination to all of us uh, and that the was, vegetable king you right? ever heard of that <laughs> No, the vegetable king. Who was the vegetable king? Uh, well, I got an email from a woman who lives in the Northwest, and she said, I have some tools from a family friend. He was known as the vegetable king. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? I did a quick Google search, and luckily the Circus Historical Society has a lot of information online, and I came across the vegetable king tied to 1903 date with Barnum and Bailey. So I looked through our programs and I found him. Um, and she only knew him as Don Vito because they were an Italian family. Um, and so I was able to find his last name as well. And I found him in the program and he carved fruits and vegetables into flowers and different shapes and then used dyes to color them. Um, and so he had all these tools. So when we got him, they look like melon ballers and zesters <laughs> and all of these different sizes and shapes. So they look like they were used for fruits and vegetables, but he used them to make beautiful creations. And he was on the Barnum Bailey sideshow for at least four years at the turn of the century. And so we have an image of him from the program. We have his tools and just that kind of those stories and that history, I think, is what really makes it come alive. Because these are things that would just be lost to history because it wasn't someone who was around for decades and was really well known, but it's really interesting and people came to see him. He was popular. He, you know, was um, on the off season, he would decorate the tables of the rich and famous in New Orleans. And so I, I think it's tremendous to be able to learn more about these individuals who worked on the circus. And I hope that I'll be able to do more of that and interpret more of that in our exhibits and displays in the years to come. So you mentioned the Circus Historical Society, which I think is important uh, to note as well. Pete, uh, before we find out uh, archival land, can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about the national circus organization, such as the Circus Historical Society, and maybe some of the other institutions around the country uh, that if you're geographically listening in from different parts of the country, that you could go and explore some circus history and heritage as well? Absolutely. The Circus Historical Society is a nationally based organization. It doesn't have a physical home, uh, but it holds regular conventions every year uh, at different significant sites throughout the country. And it also publishes Bandwagon, which is the scholarly journal of the Circus Historical Society. It's been around since the 1940s. Uh, and if you are conducting research into circus history, it is probably your, your first best place to start searching uh, in terms of a collection of the cumulative knowledge of 
all the major historians that have studied this kind of unique art form uh, for so long. And all these people are members of this organization, and, and it's, it's a wonderful organization. They have a website uh, that has a, a whole range of digital resources, uh, but it is this, this national organization that uh, provides uh, information to academic historians, uh, local historians, amateur historians, collectors. Uh, there's a whole range of individuals that are seeking information on circus history, genealogists, uh, model builders. Uh, so yeah. there, there's a community of these kinds of... of there, there is the National Circus Model Builders Association. There is, there is. And uh, the Windjammers Association. Windjammers. Circus Fans of America. Yes, and the Windjammers are kind of fascinating because they collect music and play circus songs. Uh, and I believe they meet twice a year and have concerts to that effect. So they're working hard to preserve that unique musical heritage that's a part of... Uh, of this wonderful community that that we work with, uh, circus model builders, uh, you know, a very passionate and, and energetic organization that scratch build unique you know, models, you know, down to uh, you know the accurate number of bolts on the side of of a wagon. Yeah, really, are artisans. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And there are other, at least several other institutions around the country that do cater to uh, this unique community. Uh, there is the John and Mabel Ringling Museum of Art in Sarasota, Florida, which has a substantial collection of circus material. So if you're living in Florida, that's an institution to visit. The Milner Library at Illinois State University in Bloomington, Illinois, has an important collection of circus research material. Uh, the American Antiquarian Society in Massachusetts has probably the most important pre-1873 circus-related material. So there are a number of places uh, around the The Barnum Museum in Bridgeport? Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Very important place. Barnum Museum in Bridgeport. Uh, we, we've gone through a, a significant effort to restore their facility after being devastated by a tornado and have done a lot of wonderful work in that regard. And then the Cody Museum out in Cody, Wyoming, which is probably the best single uh, source of information on Wild West shows. So, Pete, you're an archivist. What's an archivist do? And then what's the oldest artifact in our collection? Oh, my. What is the oldest artifact? Uh -huh. Well, well it, I'll start off by just um, talking briefly about an archivist. An archivist is kind of akin to what Jen uh, is talking about with being a curator. Uh, there are several different individuals that are type of uh, professional groups that deal with collections. There's a curator, there's an archivist, there's librarians, there's record managers, and we're all kind of cousins of the same family uh, that we collect and deal with historical materials, but just from a slightly different perspective. Uh, I focus on research materials, papers, letters, documents, diaries. I also deal with photographic materials, film, uh, sound recordings. And the, the main goal is to preserve information. Uh, and in a way that, like what Jen was saying about preservation, in terms of, of making it, preserving it and cataloging it in such a way that not only can it be easily found, uh, but also that it will be here, you know, 50 or 75 years from now. You know, because what is the point of managing these collections if it's not going to be around? But that's also a thing is that it's, uh, we're here to provide access. A big part of an archivist is to provide access to research materials. And so we catalog materials in such a way, place them online uh, so that people can find them. The oldest artifact that we do have uh, is uh, a a newspaper advertisement from 1793, uh, from the very first circus show that uh, uh, was put on in Philadelphia and I believe was visited by none other than George Washington himself. Nice. That is circus history and American history all in one, 
Wonderful little package for sure. Uh, we're talking circus history today uh, all day long with Jennifer Cronk, our curator of circus uh, history. Also, we also have another curator on staff who is our curator of historic vehicles. You'll be hearing from him tomorrow. Heavy will be joining us tomorrow as we talk about 60 years of circus. Uh, Paul Walter, the executive director of the Sauk County Historical Society and Peach Rake, the archivist here at Circus World. And we'll be back for more in just a little bit here on 99.7 Max FM. Getting ready for the colossal Big Top Parade in downtown Baraboo coming up at 11 a.m. Saturday morning. And we are broadcasting Circus Week Live from Circus World in Baraboo. And we are going to continue with one more segment here this morning. Once again, here's Scott O'Donnell and Dave Salutis. Colossal. That's a good word. And I've stupendous. Been writing, I know. I've been writing down all these great Scrabble <laughs> words today. I think I'm going to be a winner in Scrabble here coming up. There's been some good ones. Uh, so the, as you mentioned, uh, the Baraboo's Big Top Parade and Circus Celebration is coming up next Saturday. It's really a week-long celebration within this community with lots going on all week long. If you're wondering what those uh, items are and didn't hear the first part of our show, always know that the Circus website, which is www.bigtopparade.com or the Baraboo Chain commerce or downtown Baraboo, uh, everybody's got uh, all the elements that are coming up for the exciting week ahead. And I think what a lot of people don't realize when they come and stand on the, on the sidewalks of Baraboo and watch that parade go by, I, I'm not sure they understand the depth of planning that goes into uh, the parade and, and the depth of volunteer hours and passion that goes in from so many people within this community, whether they're business leaders, community leaders, volunteers, uh, they really start um, almost after the parade rolls uh, past you, uh, almost the next day they start planning on the parade that's coming up. And we're honored to be joined here this morning by one of the co-chairs of Baraboo's Big Top Parade, who is Doug Hill. Uh, Doug Hill and Hill's Wiring, a, a, a trusted vendor and mainstay within this community for so many generations. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Thanks uh, for having me. I wonder if you could tell all of our listeners uh, what goes into planning such an event as the Baraboo Big Top Parade. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Is that, that right? It's a small You're word that right. captures a lot. Colossal is a good word. Epic, I love that, but... Because uh, we do spend a lot of time uh, over several months planning this. I think there's 15, 16 of us on the committee alone, plus the hundreds of volunteers we're in touch with that we work with um, to bring this event uh, to fold. And it's uh, uh, just amazing that when you see the looks on the kids' faces, when they see these horse-drawn wagons and elephants and uh, giraffes and whatever, that uh, you know it's it's worth it's worth your effort. Yeah, it's very true. It's an only a bearbook kind of thing. And there's so many unique elements to parade planning that I don't know that a lot of other parades have. Of course, you got to, whether it's corner guards, uh, which are helping keep everybody uh, safe on, on the parade route and uh, participants and uh, viewers, or who cleans up all those lovely meadow muffins that are behind all the animals that are in the parade. Uh, and, and how do you what goes into the parade? Does everybody just sort of show up, and as they pull up, then they're the next unit in the parade? Or there's a lot of planning that goes into the parade order and the details uh, to keep uh, everything flowing smoothly so you don't get 14 bands in a row uh, or 42 floats in a row so that there's a nice balance. Uh, there's sort of a, uh, a nice emotional journey, maybe, uh, as you watch the parade route. Doug, I know that not only are you parade chair, but you also are in charge of a lot of the logistics with the parade. What goes into the logistics of putting on Baraboo's Big Top Parade? Well, my co-chair, Nancy, 
Catholic shot, does most of the organization and most of the work. All I have to do is get all staging, the bleachers, the barricades, city police, the parks, the schools, and everybody to participate and do their thing. We need bleachers. We need picnic tables. We need fencing for the beer garden, um, porta-potties, uh, pooper scoopers, shovels. Uh, you know, we work with the Hubers uh, that help us out, um, and a ton of volunteers. Staging is a big thing. Uh, these people, when they come into town, have to know where to go and where to park. And the order that uh, you and, and Dave put together, fantastic. Uh, so you don't have six or seven of one kind at a spot and then a big hole. And, yes, and, and it, just, it just takes a lot of logistics, moving pushers um, to the end of the parade. It's just, uh, it is an epic event. It's a circus behind the circus parade. That's it what is. I always say. Uh, so you just mentioned uh, an important detail. So folks that might not live in Baraboo but might be listening to this and are thinking to come join us for the day, uh, where do they park when they come into the community, and how do they get from those parking locations down to the parade route? Well, thank goodness we have a couple of huge parking lots on the northwest and southeast part of the city, Circuit World being one of them, a huge parking lot down there from years past, and then in front of U-Haul, Festival Foods out there, gives us a big spot of their parking lot. So we shuttle free uh, several, you know, round uh, round trips um, during and after the parade to help those people. That, and then we encourage handicaps especially. Uh, and instead of trying to find a limited handicap spot downtown, park in those parking lots. Bus will take you right down to, you know, to seating, and we have bleachers set up. Um, and then pick you up afterwards at certain spots and uh, take you right back uh, so, you know, you don't have to fight the crowd and, and uh, worry about where to park because it is crowded. Thirty to 40,000 people expected. Um, which so which we're is double the, the population of Baraboo, right? Oh, triple or quadruple. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> triple or quadruple. But we can handle them. No pressure. Here we go. It's going to be a great day. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely right. And those buses are ADA accessible. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, for those of you that are listening, uh, we do encourage you to use those. Again, the two off-site parking locations with shuttle buses leave from the Festival Foods uh, U-Haul parking lot or down here at Circus World on Water Street. So if you're coming in from either end of town, uh, there's a location for you to park and take the stress out of where do I park. Uh, and you can get on those buses that will take you uptown. And you can watch uh, Boo Stock after the parade and still catch those buses and come back to your cars uh, at the end of the day. Doug's big parade on tap, I think over 90 units, right? That's what I hear. It's fantastic. I hope you have all the horse teams lined up. (laughs) We do. There's there's some things I don't do that you do. We do have all the horse teams lined up. That's that's another amazing. We even have costumes for them. And and the horse teams are getting uh, harder and harder to find uh, today. They come from all over the state and uh, I think Illinois, Iowa. Um, So it's it's a big deal for them to get here too. And we we do pay them to show up, uh, at least cover their expenses. And uh, the guys and the horses – Love to do this. You can just tell it. Right. You know, they want to get into it. It's, it's pretty neat. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, another important uh, element. There's so many wonderful business businesses within this community and institutions that help sponsor this parade because there are associated costs that uh, go with uh, such a large event uh, such as this. But it's definitely a great day to celebrate Baraboo and its circus heritage. I know uh, some of our neighboring towns have Butterfest or Cow Chip Festivals, uh, but uh, here in Baraboo, it's uh, Circus Week uh, and the Baraboo's Big Top Parade. Uh, Doug, you mentioned a little bit about it before with the kids smiling and all that stuff. Uh, What does this parade mean for this community? 
Well, I think it's it's it means a lot. The heritage, Baraboo is, I think, a proud community. Um, going back, what, over 150 years, I believe. Um, and circus has been a, a big part of that, uh, especially being home uh, to uh, the Ringling Brothers like it was and, uh, what, uh, Golmar and several families here in town back into the early 1900s. Um, a lot of history there. And I think if we don't bring this alive like we did the last several years, it was, what, the seventh year now? This is the seventh, seventh annual, year. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. But when we uh, had this idea seven years ago, I thought to myself, yes, about time we have a parade, circus parade. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're probably one of the only, if not the only, true circus parade in the entire country. Yeah, that is, uh, that is it's true. It's amazing. And obviously the largest wagon collection of any, anybody. But it's, uh, if we don't keep this history alive for the new generation of kids, um, it's, it's going to be lost. And, uh, uh, you know, we need, we need to keep that alive. And the circus parade is a big thing for doing that. I agree. Uh, thank you, Doug Hill, for joining us today, and thank you uh, to you and the entire parade committee for the year-long uh, hard work and dedication and passion that you put into uh, this very special day uh, here in Baraboo. So, friends, it's been a great uh, pleasure to join you here today as we talked about circus history and the celebration of that that's going to be going on here all week long. Uh, Look forward to joining us tomorrow where we talk about 60 years of Circus World and where we'll be have former employees, present employees, volunteers uh, to talk about the journey of this world-class institution from its uh, passionate beginning from John M. Kelly through to uh, its present day. Some of our guests have been here for uh, large portions uh, of that 60 years, including Heavy, who's been here for 45 of those 60 years. So uh, it's going to be a great day full of uh, great stories and remembrances and looking towards the future. I hear it's tomorrow so tune your dials in 99.7 fm or if you're online listening it's wrpq.www <laughs> yeah yeah it's you'll find one. it <laughs> just, look up, Mac, just look up max nice fm baraboo look on for google. the max fm one That's the googles right. will help you yeah i know i'm better at my radio than my <laughs> online things okay thanks guys there's uh, scott o'donnell and dave salutis and our big uh, group of guests we'd like to thank them for coming here today circus week live each day 9 a.m here on 99.7 max fm live from the feld theater at circus world and we're getting set for the big top parade saturday at 11 a.m